All right, guys, here is the famous lengthy Bible discussion that we had with Holly talking about complementarianism versus egalitarianism. <laughs> it gets kind of heated at some points and maybe a little uncomfortable, but then there's some funny things in there too. So, I mean... I love it when there's a part of the conversation where you're like, because we spent 40 minutes in Genesis, Alex. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about First Timothy. I did. I will say this. I have to say this up front. You drove right to Genesis off the bat. And when we went into this discussion, we had four verses to study and Genesis was not one of them. It needs to be. It, uh, it may need to be. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just saying I wasn't as prepared as I would have liked to been. <laughs> it's funny. Jason sends me these these verses and I'm like... Yeah, these are my verses I'm going to go with. You should have at least texted me. Be I'm, like, hey, I see your verses, but hey. I see you. I see your verses and I raise you these verses. But it's not fair. Because <laughs> you didn't raise me any verses. You just brought them up in the discussion. And I'm like, what are we doing in Genesis? I was like. The answers are in Genesis, Jason. Yeah, Ken Ham. Uh, it, it reminds me of like a, an episode of The Simpsons, if we can go back to that. No, always. Um, Anytime I'm going Where to Ned Simpsons Flanders, go. Maud has died, obviously, at this point. I remember this episode. And he's dating this famous actress. And he's they're deciding whether or not they want to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> and Ned Flanders holds up one hand. He's like, I found some verses. He's got like a little stacks of paper. He's like, I found some verses that... Uh, uh, say what we are doing is okay and then I found these verses that say we shouldn't and his other stack of what they shouldn't be doing is like so much taller than the other stack <laughs> so funny but anyway guys uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and again this is this is a discussion this is not a debate Jason and I still love each other and we're holding hands right now Yeah, we got to mention too that Holly's in this discussion yeah or- and she brings some interesting talking she points. She absolutely does. So without further ado, guys, this is not your pastor's egalitarianism versus complementarianism. Dang, that's a mouthful to episode. getting into some to maybe some text yeah uh, or why don't we dig into the main chief text right away like why women can't be pastors <coughs> and i think you derive that from well i the one of the reasons why I, I wouldn't just cite i would be i would be a jerk if i just said just read first timothy bro yeah <laughs> like I'd agree with that statement. I I, th- I think you have to go back even further than that and I, this is going to sound like the cheesiest pastorally thing to say but you got to go back to the beginning can we well to, okay <laughs> you're going you're going straight to genesis i would go are you i have to start there okay <gasps> well let mm. me say like i think our chief text would be first timothy chapter two one would, timothy that would be the uh i don't permit a woman to usurp authority over a man well which I, is where most people derive that view but you're going back to you're going to start in Genesis. Well, and this also kind of plays into like our our conversation about eventually, you know, what are what are the gender roles? And my and part partially the reason why I'm a complementarian is because of 
I mean, not just not just the text in Genesis, but what we see right off the get go in Genesis. Um, so everybody, flip to your Bibles, <laughs> Genesis. I'm no, hold on. Let me grip my. Hold up! I got mine prepped, bro. <laughs> what version do you read, by the way, Holly? What what? What version do you read? Uh, this one is NCV. This is the one that I got when I first became a Christian when I was twenty. Wait, say it again. This is the NCV, uh, the New Century Version. I got it when I first became a Christian, when you, I was 20. I don't know if I've ever heard that acronym yet, so that's why I'm... I'm I, I have like a bunch of different Bible translations. I, every so time do I. See I. It, I'm the same way. This is just the one that has all of my, like, I just found Jesus kind of notes, where yeah. it's just like full of highlights and just like, oh my God, God is amazing. We are really having like a Bible study no, right we're, now. No, we're going full board. That's what I'm saying. We've I'm never done this so, on our podcast before. It's so crazy. Alex, are, you and I are reading from the Elect Standard Version, correct? Yeah, the ESV, Elect the, Standard the Version. Elect Standard. Okay. Gotcha. I have one somewhere. I don't know where it is, though, so we're just going to stick with the NCV on my behalf. Nope, sounds good. Yep, so <laughs> so partially the reason, and, and I have to say this, and I have a list. I like how everybody has their, like, their notes and their Bibles out. We're such Christian yeah, nerds. I do. We're such Christian oh, nerds. Yeah. Um, so the very, the very first thing in my mind, the very first thing that God says about mankind um, is that he makes man in his likeness and his image. Mm-hmm. So when I when I read that text, I think equality. Okay, men are equal, or men are equally made in the image of God, just as like women are equally made in the image of God. So, do you view the original man, as in Adam pre Eve, to be an a, a an androgynous man? Those are really big words, yeah, that's Holly. A, that's a big word for both of us. Like, uh, We're Canadians. Um, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're Michiganders. Basic, basically the same so, thing. So do you believe the original Adam, like Adam pre-Eve, to be a genderless man? So like the no. actual reflection of God. No, you believe him to be a masculine man. He goes pee standing up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe... <laughs> I, I might lean more towards genderless. Uh... I I slide on genderless man. I do. Oh, gender is such a scary word these days, isn't it? But, ah, it depends on your openness. I don't think it's scary. I think it's more interesting. Yeah, so do I. But regardless. So continue, sir. Continue. I just wanted to understand your so- like... So you know we we know what the we know what the Bible wow what do you say what? he's standing up what do you want me to say he's got a you want me to say he's got a, a twig and berries no I just wanted to know where you were coming from Tizzle Tizzle I just so I mean any and my reasoning for that is because he says that he in the image of God he created the male and female and so there's a distinction right off the bat so. He makes them in the image of himself as male and female. Okay. So that's that's where our, that's where I would say that he has a gender. He goes pee standing up and Eve squats because no <laughs> toilets have been made yet. Um, Continue. That's interesting. Okay. I want to be completely open. I'm sorry. I no, that's fine. I interrupted thought again. I apologize. Um, so I'm in the middle of a major theological upheaval because I was a complementarian up until maybe – yeah, 10, 11 months ago. Oh, wow. That's something like, like that. No. So I am a recent convert. 
<clears throat> so I am having to reassess and my egalitarian stance is the result of my reconception of um, inerrancy. So I'm having to reinterpret much of the Bible and oh, something that you that said. So God created human beings in his image, in the image of God, he created them. He created the male and female to me, it speaks of intention, but continue. Um, and this one's going to make all of our feminist friends really happy. Uh, he first, yeah, I'm a feminist. I'm your friend. He crea- I love you. He creates Adam first and he creates Eve second. Correct. So there's, there's an order. So Adam first, Eve second. Why did he create Eve period? Let me get to that. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> So then Adam says, and I love this, uh, and I always make a point whenever I did officiate weddings to make sure that guys know this, like sing to your wives because it's awesome and it's God ordained. Because we love that. Um, Adam sa- sings the song, this is bone of my, at last this is bone of my bone, this is flesh of my flesh, you shall be called woman because she came, that's, that's not, Adam is saying that we're one, that you are a part of me. And so I would, I would see, I see that as an equalizing. I agree. Um, then Eve takes a bite of the fruit before Adam does. So she, she becomes an, and actually Paul alludes to this in first Timothy says Eve became the first transgressor. She takes a bite of the fruit. Then her husband takes a bite of the fruit, which is different. She doesn't become the first transgressor. That's just what she is that's what, the first one. That's just what Paul says in that's just what Paul says in First Timothy. I would I would I go back and forth on that, but that that's 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 not important to the point I'm trying to make, I guess. Okay, I'm sorry. Um though Eve bit the fruit first, God comes after Adam first. Okay. So there's a difference in roles there. Like, well, why wouldn't God go after Eve first? Why wouldn't she, why wouldn't he? I mean, really, really. I mean, she took a bite of the fruit first, and then Adam took a bite of it. If she did it first, why wouldn't God come after her first and then Adam first? And this is just this is just where my mind goes. Okay. Both upon God coming down and saying, "Adam, what did you do?" And then Adam being extremely abusive and saying, like, she made me do it. Um, both receive curses upon mm-hmm. their, their sin. So they both receive curses. Curses, they are equal in that respect. The curses are different. They're mm-hmm. not the same curses. If they both committed the same sin, essentially, I mean, in, in essence, they both committed the same sin. I would say that Adam didn't lead his wife well, again. There's that complementarian verbiage right there. But they have different curses put upon them. Right. So that makes it different. So just from the creation story and the way that I read the creation story and why I believe primarily in complementarianism that men and women are equally valued and worth intrinsically worth in their worth to God, but they are created differently in the specific roles that God created them for in order to reflect the glory of God. Okay. 
and and again, that's that's where I land. That's where I see I see the equal eye, the things that e- make them equal, but I also see the things that make them different. So that's where I have a disconnect with egalitarianism because, I mean, rewind back to what we said about egalitarianism, but egalitarianism says that the roles are interchangeable and fluid. And in my reading of Genesis, already from the get-go, the beginning of, of mankind, there's a difference. And different expectations, different curses, so on and so forth. I. I would say, does curse sound like a positive word or a negative word? Oh, negative. It's definitely negative. But if essentially they committed the same sin, then why not give them the same curse? Why not equally pun- why not equally punish them with the same I, things? I think I think that biologically speaking, that's obvious. I think that <clears throat> I think women were always created to be the people who incubated. Uh, to use a somewhat crude term, I guess, but I, yeah, no, I think that the the, the differences in the curse were were largely because of biological differences. Well, th- right then and there, like, so there's going to be some differences between men and women just based on their. Okay, all right, I'm not going to use that word. I was going to say the word plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> But but no, there are. The thing is, there are so many differences between men and women. There are neurological, biological, plumbing differences between men and women. They are like there just are. There are the XY chromosomes and the XX chromosomes. There just are. That's that's a matter of biology. That's what makes sex a thing. There's female and there's male. There absolutely are. That's not offensive. That's truth. There's I was watching in my in my Soci 101 class. You have to watch this video about the neurological differences between males and females. There have been studies that have shown that women experience sex as an act differently than men do. There simply are chemical and 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 neurological and biological that oxytocin. That oxytocin, absolutely. That oxytocin. I actually mentioned the. I talked to y'all about this yeah, on Twitter. Did. I did. I mentioned the oxytocin. I was my entire propagation in my dissertation on my. Which one was it? I don't remember which class it was. It was actually an English class, but it was on my belief that comprehensive sex education is important. And a lot of it was the fact that a lot of women probably stay in abusive relationships because sexually speaking, they have a larger release of oxytocin when it comes to the sex act. They do. And men, like men deal with the oxytocin and then they deal with the, uh, oh, the word I'm not going to be able to think of right now because I need it. But No, women deal with a larger release of oxytocin. And as a result, they look at these men who are abusing them and they say, oh, well, no, but I love them and they need me. So therefore, I'm going to stay because they have that bonding hormone in excess. Men don't have that. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with difference. That's why there's such an issue with race in America is because we've been taught to believe that sameness equals equality, but it is not acknowledgement and value of difference equals equality. Hmm. 
I like that. So, so go going. I'm sorry. Going back to Alex, what you said. You said he first levied out curses to man, but he didn't. I mean, I'm. I'm I didn't say that he levied out curses to man first. I'm just saying he okay. levied out different curses. Okay. To to clarify, because he he, he gives it to the. The serpent, serpent first, first, then to the woman, then to the woman, then to the man, then to the man. And he says to the woman in verse 16, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And that is where we get that men shall be head of the household. Men shall be. I wouldn't say that that's where it is. I say that. Men are the leaders in the heads of their families. Well, there's no other... all the way back, and therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, because the command is to a man to leave his family, even though they're the first family, to leave his family and to start a whole new family unit. But among the curses, there there is nothing else. I mean, it just says he's going to have a trouble planting crops, more or less. But right then and there, it says. Eve will always have to be submissive, and the man will always have this desire to rule over her. And she and that's will, something she will oh, always sorry, have the you. she will always have the desire to have that power. There's going to be a power struggle there, and it's a negative effect of the sin. It's not a positive. It's not that I never said that the curses were positive, though. No, I'm just you, saying that the curses are different. That was my yeah. own. That was the only thing I was trying to come across. If if for the same sin, why? I mean, eventually, I mean, part of the curse was they both got kicked out of the garden. I mean, that is definitely true. Yeah. I'm just saying that the curses that they both received are different. So I'm, and it was just to reinforce my point that men and women created equal, but have different roles, different purposes, different ways of reflecting the glory of God that the other gender cannot do. So here, I don't disagree with you. Okay. I don't. I think that men and women have, and this is generally speaking, because there are women who do have, genetically speaking, um, they have a flood of a specific masculine hormone. I cannot remember it right now because I learned it in like my first week of the last semester and I just finished final exam, so I don't remember much from the first week right now. Mm-hmm. But there are women who are born with a specific flood of masculine um hormone that turn them into what is considered in our society a more masculine individual. So they like the active participation. They like the athletics. They like chopping firewood. They like being the leader. They just, they have those specific hormones. Um, I don't, I don't see how difference in biology leads to a difference in job. Because there are many facets of leadership, right? No, and I think that's one of the things that I'll probably eventually get to talking about. I I think headship is different than leadership. Because there were some women, like, so I used to, we've said this before on the podcast, I used to work on a, at a church staff. I used to be work at a church. And <laughs> we had two, we had two types of staff meetings. And, okay. Uh, we had the general staff meeting, 
Right. And the leadership staff meeting. Okay. Now, I don't know if they still do that or not. I don't know. I haven't worked at the church for over a year and a half, almost two years now. But guess who had to leave uh, the general staff meeting? I had to leave. Our music director had to leave. Uh, One of our kids' uh, directors had to leave. And the four women that were on staff at the time were in the leadership meeting because they held leadership roles. They were not pastors, but they had leadership roles. And I learned a lot from all of those women. And I would say that they are really good at leading in the particular fields that God has gifted them in. Like that, we had a children's director. You know who she is. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And... I literally, my default motive was, how do I handle this kid? Help, help me handle this kid because I don't know how to love this kid like Jesus would love this kid. Give me some proper wisdom and advice on how to do that. And my default was always to go to her. But there's lots of examples of women leaders. We've got Deborah definitely in the, in the book right. of Judges. But the idea of headship is different than leadership, I think. I think they're very similar, okay. but I think they're different. Can you define that for me? Oh, uh, man. I mean, it's no it's no secret that women have a tendency to lead. And I think that women do have a gifting to lead. I mean, we see that women have businesses and run amazing organizations and are the heads of those organizations. And uh, oh, I just used a bat. They are the heads of those organizations. They lead those organizations well. But intrinsically, I think men have the responsibility to be the heads of their family and that and have that authority to have be the heads of their family. And that word authority, I know is really scary to people. So I found, I found an interesting take on it in my complimentarian, some of my complimentarian articles that I read. Uh, authority is not the right to rule, but it, it's the responsibility to serve. So to right. lead from a servanthood mindset, I guess is maybe where I, would classify them as being a little bit different. Okay. So. I could already the, tell this podcast is going to go about three hours. We're, uh, we're still in Genesis. We're 26 minutes in after the break. We're still in well, Genesis. To be fair, I gave us four verses and you started with Genesis and that wasn't one of the verses. I'm sorry, but in order to properly uh, articulate I'm my point. Bruh's. So I'm going to release like y'all's episodes on mine. So we're good. I just spent two hours talking to a counselor about the concept of race relations the other night that I have to try to fit into one hour. So we're good. (laughs) Um, So I guess my biggest change, like my biggest change, theologically speaking, is that I have begun to interpret everything in the Bible through the lens of Jesus. And that has changed drastically how I have interpreted any sort of Pauline theology, any Old Testament theology, because I also think, I mean, even even if you want to lean towards Pauline theology, you look at Paul, who is incredibly sensitive to cultural to, to cultural context, he he used he used uh, Greek theologians and Greek philosophers to talk to the Greeks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was very careful about that, and I think 
one of the errors that the church has had in interpreting the idea of inerrancy is that <clears throat> we assume that the words of man are are perfect and they're holy and we don't take into account that hey maybe god wanted these words written from this perspective because it gave the, gave us the ability to see how these people in this situation viewed God. Because at the point that the Bible was collected, if you look at the Gnostic trials, if you look at how the Bible, because inerrancy wasn't even a concept until the early 1900s, and the Bible wasn't even required as a text until the 1400s, it People knew Jesus before the 1400s. Right. They did. And it, it, it changes. If, if you look at the difference, and it, just in the past hundred years, we've had to consider the words of these men, the words of these historical figures to be perfect and inerrant, as in their morals perfectly represent the God that we worship and there are many instances where we can look at that and say that is bullshit. That is not right. God would never look at Lot and say, yes, give up your virgin daughters to be raped by this crowd so that my angels do not experience that pain. I have to reread that story, but I don't think God would want that either. Right? No, I think so it it's, not, it's not a matter of whether or not the Bible is inerrant, because I truly believe that the Bible is inerrant. I think it's on purpose. I think every word is intentional and on purpose and inspired. I just think that we have to have more respect for the fact that God is omnipotent and God is omniscient. And he understands that we are going to progress to a point where we have the ability to, to study the past. When, when we didn't before. And if, if the Bible was not a thing, if the Bible was not a collective as it is currently, before the 1400s, when we had the ability to reference history, then we have to really look carefully at the way it was interpreted and the way we have been trained in the patriarchy, and I say that knowing that word is very contentious and knowing it is highly debatable and knowing it is offensive. So going back to what you said a little bit earlier about what Jesus said about, or what you said about like reinterpreting scripture based on Jesus, is that, yeah? am I misquoting you? No, not at all. So I guess for me, this again, this is this is the way this is the way I, I as I read the gospels and every and I've told Jason this many times. I every time I come to to study a particular topic, like it's no secret on this podcast that I'm I'm I lean more Calvinist on things. But even when I go to study a text, I have to try and I have to try and set that aside, even though I have those leanings, and just try and read the text and read everything in context as the best that I can in order to right. gain what I think is probably the most holistic picture of scripture. So Jesus, when you say that, I say, okay, well, okay. Reading, reinterpreting scripture, the way Jesus would see scripture. So Jesus, uh, 
quoted Genesis. He quoted this right. passage in particular. He he was amazing towards women in the midst of a culture that wasn't. Right. And I think it's always really, really awesome that the first the first people that Jesus shows himself to uh, after he resurrects is women. And actually, right. that's that is a step in the positive towards the confirmation of the resurrection being true because if you're if your messiah is resurrecting from the dead you wouldn't want women to see him first because women weren't allowed to testify in court so why would you if you're making a false religion why would you use women as your chief primary uh, witnesses it it's only going to be written that way is if that's how it actually happened right but at the same time Jesus didn't pick six men to be his disciples and six women to be his disciples. He picked 12 disciples that were all men. And even though he was super rad to women, he still understood this idea of that men have headship, men lead their families. And not to say that women weren't equal. I mean, again, he was really awesome towards women and he affirmed the text, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. And he goes back to saying... Men start the family unit. Men are the ones that go back or that go to the father of a daughter and ask for her hand in marriage. They go back. They start this new family unit. If it was it was truly egalitarian, it should say a man shall leave his father and a woman can leave her father and go and start these new families. And the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm done. No. <laughs> No, I actually, I understand that, but I also disagree with that. Okay, I think, that's fine. That's probably where we're going to land tonight. <laughs> and I'm totally good with that. No, because I think that just like We're still Paul, in Genesis. <laughs> we are, but it's important. Genesis matters as much as Romans does, as much as Matthew does. I think, I think, I think as much as Paul was sensitive to cultural context, Jesus would have been as much so. And I am going to reference another podcast here, but the the Vox podcast with Mike Erie, he has a lot of explanations with which I, I firmly agree. And he has far more theological knowledge than I do. As I believe he has been to seminary. He is a pastor. He is far more knowledgeable in the fact than I am. But he has talked about the fact that, you know, frankly, it wouldn't make sense to have six female apostles at that time. Like, it it, it wouldn't have made sense to have Mm -hmm. six female disciples. It just wouldn't have because they didn't have the right to speak. So, okay. So the the guy you just referenced, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. We Mike atta- Erie. Mike Erie. So he says that it wouldn't have made sense to have six female pa- or six female the disciples at the time. Wouldn't have allowed. It. Wouldn't have allowed it. It wouldn't have made sense. It wouldn't have. But um, but the whole idea of Christianity was to really rewrite the culture in the in the light of the gospel. So, I mean, we'll get into the text eventually. Uh. Going to Galatians three twenty eight, we'll eventually get to that text. But I'm saying, like, I don't think Jesus gave a rip of what the culture thought of him. I mean, but that's I think that's he clear. Also had wisdom, and the same thing is said is whenever and Donna and I have gotten in fights over this actually about whether or not the point is efficacy 
or just saying your piece. If the point is saying your piece, then fine. Say what you want to say. Say it how you want to say it. You've said your truth. You're fine. But if the point is efficacy, if the point is getting the truth across, if the point is getting the truth to as many people as possible, which is that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. Jesus is the point. Jesus is what matters beyond any of this, beyond the fact that I believe I should have the right to be a pastor if I want to be in the church, beyond the fact that premarital sex does or does not matter, beyond anything, beyond gay marriage, beyond anything, if Jesus is the point, then you have to keep in mind cultural context. And I think that is a wisdom that Jesus had to have possessed. He's God. He's 100% God, 100% man. And he had to understand that culture was only going to receive that knowledge from men at that point in time. Point blank, it had to be the case. Because if you look at the fact that he talked to the woman at the well, who was not only a whore, but a Gentile. He looked at her and he told her the truth and she went to her culture. He, she went to her cultural, cultural context and told them the truth and they came to find Jesus. He understood that wisdom. I agree. And I think that matters. I agree. Also at the same time, man, I feel like a jerk. Uh, don't be like a jerk. Yeah, I don't think you you're can. a jerk. Okay. I don't think you're so, just representing Alex. You're not just representing Alex. You're representing. A, I agree a with that to a certain amount of point, but I also, again, I think Jesus obviously did have wisdom, but I also think he was about his father's business, and his father's business was that he came here to save sinners, and not just male sinners, and in the context of a male dominant culture, but also for females, and so like he didn't give a rip that the prostitute was cleaning his feet with her hair. You're right. And so that, like, why, I mean, he taught a really great lesson to the Pharisees that he was dining with at the time. But again, that probably wouldn't have been very wise, given the fact they were like, Jesus, what are you doing? She is a prostitute, and you're letting her clean your your feet with her hair? Like, what is, you? do you know what this kind of woman is? And he didn't care about the cultural context. That's why I, I continue to stand by my point that if if egalitarianism, if if he was going to pick if he was if it if if it was a truly egalitarian system, then he would have picked six female disciples in order to make such a bold claim that this 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 thing is supersedes culture. Now the only reason why he I think he picked 12 disciples is because of this idea of headship and authority being first given to men and not in a way that men can abuse it or it can abuse it. But see, that's assuming that the point of allowing a prostitute to wash his hair or wash his feet with her hair is to assume that the Pharisees were the point. Were the Pharisees the point? I think they both were the point. I think she was there to hear Jesus say, I forgive you, daughter. Go on your way. But also to teach an important lesson to the Pharisees because he was forgiven much, loves much. And he was forgiven little, little, loves little. So when that, when that 
prostitute when the whore went to her friends and said, this, this man, he honored me in my offering. Did that not have as much an impact as he would have had on the Pharisees? I don't, I don't know because I don't know what happens after that point. I mean, we could speculate what Nobody happens. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I'm just, but... I'm basing it off of the fact that I, I think that this scripture, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of almost there with the inerrancy thing. I think this is the best that we can get with inerrancy. But I think if that was part, an important part of the story, is that John's gospel? I can't remember who did it. No, it wasn't in John's gospel. I can't remember which gospel that this happened in. The writer would have put that in there. If the writers of the but gospels, the writer only had access to the narrative of the individual for whom he was writing. So, if this happened in Matthew's gospel, and he would have heard it from Jesus, why wouldn't have Jesus included it in the story? That but he, would... he wouldn't have heard it from Jesus. He would have heard it from Matthew. the The majority of the gospel of the gospels were written by scribes who transcribed what the authors authors in quotations. Um, said or trans transcribed as their stories. Yeah, I mean it's often believed that Peter was the author of Mark. Mark just wrote down Peter's version of the story. But we are w- extremely off topic. Yeah, now we're off topic. So <laughs> and, and far as far as I'm concerned, I mean we started with why Alex before the break, which was like an hour ago, um it's I'm 40, sorry. 40 I can minutes. Talk about anything. No, no, which is fine. Just beachy dubs. <laughs> Why, um, you know, women can't be pastors. And I would still think that that main thought would derive from 1 Timothy. And that text. I, I still would disagree. Is let a woman learn. <laughs> First, First Timothy two eleven. Let a learn a uh, woman. Is that where you want to go next with your text? Uh, that's selection? where I wanted to start with. <laughs> but again, and that's where we. That's again looking over the whole of scriptures from the Old Testament and then to the New Testament. You can't. You can't come to the, especially because Paul brings that up in Genesis or in First Timothy. He brings up what Eve did. So I mean, I can it, talk about that in First Timothy. So let's. All right, let's 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 talk about it. And and again, the reason why I I hold to my view is not because of I just read this text in First Timothy, and I was I did. I don't, and again, I don't think that's why you think that. I don't. I really, genuinely do not. All right. So First Timothy two eleven says, "Let a lerman, what a little worman, let a lerman." Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Not the first transgressor in the Elect Standard Version, but a transgressor. (laughs) Okay. That was very pointed, Jason. (laughs) <laughs> all right so for me anyway this would be the chief text this would this would be what i would say okay if i'm reading this at face value women cannot be pastors i mean okay. they can't teach they can't have authority over a man what in the world is paul trying to say here what is paul trying to communicate in timothy to tell the church at ephesus because that's the context 
about women being pastors, being nice. being leaders, being elders. Who's going first? Oh, Holly, I would like you to go first. Yeah. Okay. Um. Also, I would like to say I firmly respect everything that you have said thus far. Thank you. So you know. Thank you. <laughs> I very much do. Again, my dad is a complimentarian. Copy, and he is copy the one who convinced me a woman can be a president. So, um, a, a president, but not a pastor. <laughs> hey, if the right woman came along, I'd vote for her. <laughs> I just think she would have a hard time preaching, preaching through First Timothy. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> okay, so First Timothy has a whole lot of layers, and in fact, it is actually like onions. Uh, to what? Like onions. Like onions. onions have layers, Holly. They do. We're like a layer here. It's great. This is going to be Shrek the longest reference. episode you have ever posted ever in your life. It is going to um, be so long. <laughs> it's 1019. <laughs> I have to go to work in eight hours. Likewise. My dad's. Oh, side note. My dad is having surgery in the morning. So if anybody feels like praying. Absolutely. For sure. down, I would appreciate it. Um, so first Timothy is actually kind of repeated in first Peter. He repeats very similar sentiments as the whole thing goes. And the entire text that we're talking about is, um, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up their hands in holy manner without anger and arguments. Also women respect proper clothes that shows self-respect and self-control, not using braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Instead, they should do good deeds, which is right for women who say they worship God. Let a woman learn by listening quietly and being ready to cooperate in everything. But I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to listen quietly because Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not tricked, but the woman was tricked and became a sinner. But she will be saved through having children if she continues in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. That's from First Peter? That is from First Timothy. Okay. All right. Different, different translation. Sorry. No, so, that's good. So here's the deal. If you are going to translate First Timothy and interpret First Timothy on... Just like a straight up, I'm reading the Bible, and therefore I know everything kind of basis. That means that women who have not have chi- who have not had children are are going to go to hell. Not true. As a complementarian, I would not. No. no, 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 no. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about if somebody reads the Bible, does not have any sort of theological training, knows nothing, except they have read the Bible. Then they are reading, she will be saved through having children if she continues in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. So they're reading this entire paragraph with that in context of the rest of the paragraph. Uh, And there are a lot of competitions. Uh, First of all would be that Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority. And Paul was very culturally sensitive he was very aware of what was going on around him he was very aware of what was going on 
in the surrounding culture. Additionally, the previous verse talks about women who were not allowed to have braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. And therefore, you are made aware of the context that women, especially in the Church of Ephesus, tended to be rich women who had a lot of authority in the surrounding culture. So there are women who were used to being allowed to speak their minds and say whatever they believed. Additionally, in that same Greek culture, you had a lot of pagan religions, uh, women who were leaders in their specific religions, who were allowed to speak up in their own churches, churches, I say loosely, but in their own pagan practices. So you have women who were allowed to say what their theology was, what was right, what was wrong, and that was not necessarily the case. Um, but when it says, let a woman learn by listening quietly and being ready to cooperate in everything, that's not... It's just, it's not relevant in the universal term, nor is the, to teach or have authority over a man, because the entire thing comes out of context of the rest of the letter, specifically. So, I I agree with you on the context of Ephesus, as far as they had, they had a culture of, um... Uh, the pag- especially they they were uh, as a city known for uh, worshiping the goddess Artemis, right? Right. We, we see that in uh, Acts nineteen. Um. So there was a lot of uh, goddess worship, female female priests and what and whatnot. I I don't agree with the, the statement that you said about if you were just reading this bare bones. If you were a member of the church in Ephesus. You would think that child. Oh no no no! That wasn't up. I wasn't oh, talking about okay. the church in Ephesus. No 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 no! I totally agree with you there. I'm talking about modern church. If you just open the Bible with no historical context, right? That and is what you assume. Sorry, that's no. What, that, I was not okay, assuming that. Okay okay okay. Sorry, I am very very sorry. Um, no, you're good. But I guess Canadian. I, <laughs> I guess I guess for me that's that's not a good enough excuse to 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 say that about that. I mean, the, the, one of the main problems in our culture today is the fact that people just don't read their Bibles in the way if they do read their Bibles, it's because they read it on a coffee mug that they bought at the Christian bookstore. Correct. And, and that I is, agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And that's not how we read the Bible. And so like, if, if, you know, I would also hope that the person who is reading this scripture would be plugged into some type of community that they could ask questions in order to be like, well, wait a second. What? Why am I only going to be saved? Like if I have kids, I'm a single woman. I'm a single woman in my 90s. And I know that God can work miracles. I know what he did with Sarah, but I don't think he can do that now with me. But I don't think that's a good enough excuse for that particular part of the text and that interpretation. I guess for me. Wait, uh, which particular part the, of the text? The, Are you talking about have the having children? Yeah, the having children part. <gasps> What is your interpretation of the having children text? So the part of it is... I love your smile right now. <laughs> I'm so... You don't... Okay. Look, I love people and I love Jesus. And I think that we put theology on far too much of a pedestal. And I think we need to calm the fuck down, to Ag- be completely honest. Agree. But keep going. I I agree. To cer- <laughs> I agree to certain levels. That's why I don't... 
I don't have Calvinist written in my religious views on Facebook anymore. <laughs> I have follower of Christ. Um, so for so for me, you, you know, you read the text and you read the and it kind of goes back to what I said back all the way back in Genesis. So it says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And I also want to point this out, like, Let's all face it, unless we're singing or we're, it's during the greeting time at a church gathering, no, everybody's silent when the pastor's speaking. I would say that that's, that's meaning that to be quiet and submissive at the proper time. It's, no, this is uh, actually part of my argument, and that makes me really happy inside. Continue. See, I would disagree because I would say right now we are having church, me, Alex, and Holly on this call, mm-hmm. and Holly is talking. So technically, Holly, you shouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I might be like a hybrid between the two of you, but Go continue. So, so again, so it kind of goes back to, well, Adam was formed first, then Eve, and then Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So it kind of goes back to that idea that the last time that a female usurped authority from a man, or I shouldn't say the last time, but the first time that happened is why we're in this whole Genesis three world mess to begin with. Okay. So, but but the fact says that men were created and then women, right? Adam and then Eve, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the issue with her was a lack of knowledge. She was deceived correct right she was deceived by satan but adam correct. but adam stupidly stood there was like yeah what he didn't do anything either i think he was th- standing think, there being deceived as well i think he was being passive and that's so see my i don't think adam was being deceived i agree with you i think he was being passive but i also believe that the entire concept is that yes adam was created and then Eve was created. And yes, Eve was deceived, but the instruction was only given to Adam, which means that it was expected to be imparted to Eve through Adam. Right? So So people have always said in church, like, oh, well, Eve lied. You know, she exacerbated the instruction. She said, oh, well, if we eat of the fruit, then if we eat of anything in the garden, we will surely die. Right? And that's not what Jesus said. There that's not what God said, correct? That's not what right? so that's people, not what God that's not what God said, but I I'm correct, saying that she bypassed said that God said. Right? Okay, but God only gave instruction to Adam. And it was his job to lead his wife and to be the and that's why God came after him first. Why is it that you guys are naked? Why do you guys know that you're naked? Adam, what's going on here? So he came to Adam first, and like I said before, the reason why, the reason why that I I f- believe that Paul has said this is because because he says that the last time this happened, he's giving an example. He's he's backing up why he's saying what he's saying. He's backing it up with this story of Eve, and I, and I, it's not necessarily the part of the story that's supposed to be debated. It's him saying here is what happened, and here's the reason why I'm saying this, mm-hmm. and so. The reason why the childbearing clause is in there for women to be saved is because 
in a in a in a world where it's like okay, where men are the head, men are the head of the household, men are the leaders of their families, it makes it seem like women are second class citizens. Correct. Which we we all sitting here know that that's not true, and that's not God's design that women are second class citizens by any right. by any stretch of the imagination. The reason why that's in there is that they are saved through childbearing. Is that in their role as mothers, they 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 do something that men cannot do. They do so, they have a connection with their children that men do not have. I I firmly believe that. There's a reason why my daughter always runs to my wife before she will ever run to me. Um. And they have, in the formidable years of their uh, them growing up and in their intellect and learning, it's moms teaching their, their kids the, these things. Now, I know there's special instances where, like you, Holly, your dad raised you. But women have this intrinsic value in as being mothers to children. I mean, we could, as being mothers to children, I can think of a ton of women early in my faith that have that really discipled me and they acted as the spiritual mothers and so they are they are saved they are preserved in this culture in the society where it is that Paul is saying men have leadership men are to be the leaders and the teachers and the preachers okay i shouldn't say preachers cuz i think women can can preach the the gospel but in this in this culture in this this church um, government that he's that he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he's wanting to make sure he's wanting to, to let the women know that you guys aren't second class citizens just because the men are the pastors. Does that make sense? So women can be preachers, but they can't be spiritual overseers. That's, so what does that mean? That goes back to the headship. Are you playing with a spinner? Yeah, sorry. A fidget spinner? I'm not playing with a fidget spinner. <laughs> oh, I'm not judging a, you. I did a, not judge you in your whole complimentary. It wasn't. Uh, I'm judging you for your spinner. I'll defend Alex. It was not a fidget spinner. And I will confess that I made a fidget spinner out of Legos yesterday. Oh, did you see, did you see that thing online? Make your no, own fidget spinner? I made my own and it's way cooler. <laughs> but. To, so what does it mean to you then? If women can be preachers what does that mean what does it mean to you well i think i think we're all charged to preach the good news of jesus but not in this passage they're not permitted to usurp authority but this is but this is but this is in that i think it's entirely this is in the context of of a church and paul is writing to the church in ephesus who timothy is the lead pastor of right and so but in the context of the culture of the world, I mean, we, we know for a fact that is a Priscilla and Aquila, they, they took uh, Apollos aside and said, hey, man, hey, listen, you're not, you're not necessarily speaking the right things right now about Jesus. Let's take you aside. Let's, let's help disciple you. But that wasn't in, they weren't being the pastors. They were just being sisters who were concerned about a fellow brother in Christ and saying like, ah, no, 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 they were, How is that not the church? The church isn't a physical institution. It's, it's embodied in the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I, I have a strong disconnect right now. Like, I think what we are doing right now is church. And in, in my, from my point of view, like me, well, I mean, we, this is honestly we are, my my podcast with Donna is the only church that I have right now because I have had such a struggle finding a church. 
in the South, in South Carolina, and finding a church that actually preaches the gospel as Jesus is the point, not what God can do for you. I mean, if I was saying something that was inaccurate and Holly showed me a better way, a more accurate way, she described to me the gospel more accurately. How is that any different than Priscilla describing to Apollos a more accurate way? I mean, she's teaching me. She has authority in that position. She's leading me. She's guiding me. She's helping me to see more clearly. And in Without that same her, boat, my story doesn't continue. And in that same boat, I still learn much from my father. I have no issue with learning from a man, just to be clear. None whatsoever. Because my dad, my dad has a master's degree in theology. My dad is one of the wisest men I've ever known. I guess I, I have no issue with that. I would delineate and say, like, we are the church because we are the church isn't isn't a building. It's it's the people. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is church. I wouldn't say what Jason and I do every Monday night. Well, this is Tuesday night. I wouldn't say that what Jason and I do every Monday <laughs> every Monday night is church. I would I would say it is. I love you, buddy, I would... but I don't think that's church. <laughs> I think it's as equally as important. I think it's as, equally as important, but I don't think it's church. But we're gathering together. But we're not participating in the sacraments or any of those things. But do you have to participate in the sacraments every week? We don't as a church, so we don't. technically we'd we, be in sin. I think we should, too. I'm, I'm with Jason on uh, yeah. that one. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I am fully, <laughs> I am fully on board so J- with... Jason has a, a giant paper and... Read some of your stuff, Jason. No, I mean, just going back to this this passage in First Timothy, and again, the caveat was that women can't be pastors. And I really love what this paper said, and I got it from the Junia Project, so it's an egalitarian website. Oh, I love the Junia Project. I love Never them so much. Well, I Junia, also the GCI.org. First of all, Junia is listed as among the apostles and considered the first woman apostles in apostle in Romans 16 that's where they derive their whole name for the Junia the Junia project yep. but um just a few highlights from the article and I'll post a link to the article because I think it's full of a ton of great information it says the grammar in this passage changes abruptly from plural women in verse 9 and 10 to a woman in verses 11, 15. Now, let me say, I am not a Greek scholar and I cannot verify that. Then it changes yep. back to women in the next chapter, suggesting that Paul had a specific woman in mind, perhaps one that Timothy had written to him about. And again, we don't have that letter from Timothy in the first place. Furthermore, some scholars believe I don't permit could be accurately translated as I am not currently permitting. So, Actually, the majority of... Um scholars believe that so because there was completely different verbiage used for that yeah so while these verses are often used to defend male only leadership current scholarship scholarship suggests that the passage is anything but clear on the issue and he makes a couple of other points that i find interesting in here paul was writing a personal letter instructing timothy on how to deal with heresy being spread by false teachers you can catch that in the first chapter he's saying hey Buddy, Timothy, like you got some people who are teaching some bad stuff. They're all caught up in genealogies. They're all going astray. They're trying to teach the law when they have no basis for teaching the law. And then he gets to Second Timothy and he says, hey, that woman who's speaking, you need to stop her because it's, it's not plural. It's not women. And I think it, to me, 
I mean, when I reread these this text with that in light, he's not making an argument for all of women of all the time to not teach, to not preach, to not oversee, to not lead. He's talking about one specific woman who is either caught up in genealogies are caught up in some other stray doctrine, which wouldn't be out of line in Ephesus. They were caught up in all kinds of witchcraft. I mean, they had a Harry Potter burning book, like book burning session and an axe. I mean, Harry Potter, Lucy, I mean, they were burning all their magic books, but then, but they also talk about too, about how there were multiple people in, in that specific church that were saying that people should not get married and should not bear children. And so a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was trying to say, no, 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 you can get married, you can have children. And even in First Peter, he talks about the fact that, yeah, it's best to be single because at that point in time, everybody believed Jesus was coming back within like a matter of days, weeks, months, years. So people are saying, you know what, probably don't bring kids into this world. It's, it's going to be a hot mess. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going to happen, so stop. Like, focus rather on evangelism as opposed to actually having families and raising children. So it was a completely different environment. Yeah, and I'm going to rest on the words, too, of William Barclay, who I'm just going to go out on a limb who is more studied than I am. Um, he says, uh, regarding this passage in First Timothy, in Timothy, all things in this chapter are mere temporary regulations to meet a given situation. If we want Paul's permanent view on this matter, we get it in Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, the differences of place and honor and function within the church are all wiped out. And so William Barclay's writing I this in the, with you, William. He's writing this in the fifties, which is extremely bold, first of all. It was very bold. Not with the rise of the second wave of feminism literally uh, looming in the that culture. Wasn't, that wasn't really relevant until the sixties. Yeah, and William Barclay—that was very bold. And even if the 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 first—I mean, in the church world, definitely, yes—that would have been a massively bold statement in the fifties because there was a massive media outcry against women in the workforce. Let me keep reading here some examples that he gives real quick. He says in Genesis story, it was woman who was created second and who fell to the subduction of subduction of the serpent tempter, but it was Mary of Nazareth who bore. And who trained the child Jesus? It was Mary of Magdala who was the first to see the risen Lord. It was four women who, of all the disciples, stood by the cross. Priscilla, with her husband Aquila, was valued teacher in the early church, a teacher who led Apollos to knowledge of the truth, Acts 18. Yodia and Syntyche, in spite of their quarrel, were women who labored in the gospel, Philippians 4. Philip, the evangelist, had four daughters who were prophetesses, Acts 21. Mm -hmm. The older women were to teach Titus 2. Paul held Lois and Eunice in highest honor, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And there are many women's names held in honor in Romans 16. I mean, to me, it all speaks of Paul speaking within his current context of the time. Like, he's not going to out a bunch of women to do a bunch of work when both the Jew and the Greek cultural context at the time would not have accepted or allowed it. 
but he hides all these hints with buried within his letters, especially at the end of Romans 16, where he's calling out woman after woman, the house, yeah. the church at her house, uh, Junia, not a male, but a female listed among the apostles. Like he goes out yeah. of his ways. He goes out of his way to bury all these hints within the text of, Hey, women are equally as important in a teaching role. I, so I, I'm sorry, Holly, you go ahead. Well, all I was going to say was <clears throat> I made the same list that Jason did. I made the same list of all the women that Paul talks about partnering with, about the apostles and the teachers and about the, um, the deaconesses, if you will. Yeah. Um, Cause we do I made have that deaconesses. Same list. And I can, if you take me verse by verse through first Timothy chapter two, I can argue with you theologically speaking, historically speaking, culturally speaking, I can argue with you on that. I absolutely can. But ultimately what grounds me is if I had no other book in the Bible, if I had no Old Testament, and, and the thing is, even if I did, but even if I didn't have any Old Testament, if I had no Pauline text, if I had no post-Jesus text from John or from Peter, from whatever, what I would look at and I would see that God spoke to these women as if they were human beings. And he gave them knowledge that he did not give to men who were not his best friends. He gave the woman at the well knowledge that he gave to his best friends who are men. And if you want to look at the Billy Graham role, you can look at the Billy Graham role, which I have a high level of disagreement with, but he looked at this woman at the well and he said, people are going to look at you and me and they're going to think this is a single man talking to a whore who has had five husbands. And I don't care. And I am sitting alone and I am talking with you and I'm having the longest conversation with a woman that has had in the New Testament. And a highly in-depth conversation and he revealed himself as you talked about about about, about to, to to marry if all I had to reference with Jesus under no circumstances would I ever consider a woman ineligible to teach but regardless in light of the Old Testament when he had women like Deborah and in the New Testament, when he had woman, women like like Junia, I just don't. It would take a a lot of convincing to confirm to me that it doesn't make sense in the Christian faith for a woman to speak truth to the people around her. Because I think also in the church, we place far too much importance 
on authority and hierarchy. Because in truth, all that matters is Jesus. That's what matters. That is priority. What matters is not whether or not you are a head pastor at a church. Who cares? That's not the point. The point is truth. And the purpose of the church is to be a sending place, not to be a place of evangelism where you say, oh, well, okay, you don't trust me, even though you've known me and you've worked with me and you've been friends with me. And so I'm going to bring you to my church where you can see this person that you've never met speak about this God that you've never known. If the purpose of the church is to be a sending place, to be a place of discipleship, a home for Christians, then if you trust each other, what does it matter? Theologically, it makes no sense to me. I would just... Oh, no, go ahead. I, I would just say, one, that William Barclay, that guy is smarter than me. I think he's taken some things out of context, to be quite honest. That's my opinion. The idea of hierarchy, I mean, I understand like it's all about Jesus. It's only Jesus, but Jesus himself... He is the head of the church, so they're already right then there is a hierarchy. And the reason why we have Paul saying these things is because even, bef- even before the fall happened, God placed significant a significant role on the man to lead his wife. And I think that translates over from our families, our families, small small families, house by house by house, to the larger family of the church globally. So like you said, Jason, older women teach the whole rest of that passage is older women teach the younger women. Mm-hmm. So William, I'm not, I'm not seeing the connect that women, women can teach. Yes. And women have the ability to teach. There are some amazing women teachers. I'm not denying that the best book so far. And I know I made fun of her in our last episode. The best book that I've read so far on Job is from, K. Arthur. And I loved that book. That was very that was a book that was very foundational to me in my in the early ages of my or the early stages of my Christianity. But the main argument isn't whether or not women should be pastors or should be not should be pastors, but the main argument is is there a difference in roles for genders? And I think you see that all the way back in Genesis. You see it and it's 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 there. So let's you you mentioned that the text. depends if you consider the first man pre Eve to be man as in masculine man or man as in genderless man. He's a masculine. So then again, there's if you consider him one way or the other, then we're coming from a different spot. But then why make the distinction between in the image of God, he created them male and female. That to me says, OK, there's. There's a distinction. There's a difference. They're created well, the same, once but they're the, different. Once the female was created, yes, but I think men and women have different roles when it comes to leadership. I think they have different abilities that speak to leadership what? in a different way. I've been a manager. I've known men who have been managers, and I think that there are different qualities that equally right. contribute and, to a good leader. Yes, but I'm saying within the church context, the the position of headship is given only to men, and that translates over into the church. But why? Because of what God has set up in the beginning. 
There's a reason why he set it up that way. I don't know why. It would make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. <laughs> just like everybody's equal. Everybody's fine. Let's all have a big party. <laughs> and in the end, that's how it is going to be. We're all going to sit around the great wedding feast of the lamb and we're there. all going to pig out. I mean, when Paul says there is neither male nor female. So let's go to that text. Let's go to that text. <laughs> you you were so sassy in the way you flipped that page. Can I just say that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jason. Don't worry, dad. So Daddy's got gotcha. you. I hear like the Bible pages flip. My dad used to make this joke when he was a pastor. Whenever he would like say a verse and everybody would flip to their pages and where's my Bible? You know, like the Bible page sound that is like specifically like. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So. Every time somebody would try to flip to their Bible, he would always say, oh, I love the sound of those pages wrestling. So every time I open my Bible and I flip those pages, I think of my dad saying that. (laughs) And every time y'all flip to a new page, I'm just like, oh, it's my dad. So (laughs) I I think every time we flip our Bible pages, an angel gets its wings. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now you can also think, oh, it's Holly's dad. (laughs) So what what is Barclay trying to say? What are you guys trying to say about that especially Galatians 3:28? What are you trying to say? Here I mean here's I'll tell you guys where I'm at personally. And it comes down to bias. If I would if <laughs> if, if <laughs> I know it. If I walked <laughs> If I walked into a church and they said male is the headship, male is the leader, only males can be pastor, and I go through the text, I am going to be conscious of those um, those attributes of male leadership, and I'm going to read Genesis through that lens. I'm going to read First Timothy through that lens. I'm going to read the entire New Testament through that lens. I'm going to read everything through that lens of male leadership. But if I... For the first time, I have no conscience of church history, no conscience of anything. I just said, hey, Jesus seems like a cool guy. I'm going to follow him because my life is turds right now. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I walk into an egalitarian church, and I have a bias that, hey, men and women are equal. First of all, let me just go ahead and confess that um, that sounds way more awesome to me, that we're all equal. So... I'll throw my cards out on the table, but then I'll start reading the text with that bias and I'll key in on verses like Galatians 3.28 that says there are no male and female. I'll key in on all the women that Jesus interacted with and how powerful and how beautiful and how magnificent that is. I'll look at the letters of Paul and how he addressed specifically woman after woman after woman giving amazing examples of women teachers, leaders, and possibly pastors in a cultural context that would not have allowed that. To me, he's slapping the culture in the face every time he lists a woman as a teacher. He just is. And so to me, it all comes down to a matter of bias. Now, as a person who is a complete jerk, who would five years ago have said, If there's even a woman pastor, not only is she going to hell for usurping authority over a man, her entire (laughs) congregation is also an heir, and God help them, 
because that's the only way they could get to heaven. That would have been my official position five years ago. Okay, that, to be fair, it would, that would have been my position. I became a Christian at 20. I just turned 29. That would have been my position before I... Okay, I say I became a Christian. I grew up in church. My dad was a preacher. Before I officially knew Jesus at 20, that would have been my position as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I was taught. That's the way I was brought up. That's the lens I read the scriptures through. Why would I think anything different? And why would I dare go against what my teachers taught me? That's what they, yeah. that's what they taught me. Which makes sense. I mean, if you think about it in terms of humility and... Like, it makes sense and in terms of humility and knowledge and wisdom and age. It makes sense. Although I will say that in the Old Testament, priests were restrict, re- restricted, like, to the age of 50. Like, once you hit 50, they were like, nah, bruh, you're out of touch. You've got to go. Yeah. So, but regardless. Yeah. I mean, who am I to say now, speaking of humility, when I read those texts... And when I become more and more of aware of what's going on around me, if women feel that they have been called by the Holy Spirit to preach, which Alex doesn't have a problem with, it's clearly in in pastorship and the overseeing. I still want to hear about your interpretation of that, because I'm still not totally clear on what you believe the difference is. On what? You see, on the difference between preaching and pastors. Well, preaching or p- proclaiming the word of God. Like, maybe I should have used that term instead of preach. Because I think we often think, like, a pastor's up there, he's preaching. Well, he may be teaching, too. So, um, Well, preaching and teaching, to me, are point blank the same, same thing. I mean, you are. Anytime you're speaking from a place of knowledge... You're teaching. Mm-hmm. You just are. I would agree with Holly. At the same time, I have preached in front of hundreds of people at a church and have been humbled to the point while I'm standing before them saying, holy crap, I am not their pastor, and I could really F things up right now. And holy and crap, have reason. I ever been entrusted right now in this moment to teach and preach truth to people who I am not an overseer of. I mean, it was a completely humbling experience to stand in front of 350, 400 people and have them look at me and me think, I'm not their pastor. Holy crap. Like in this moment, I am just a preacher. I am just a teacher. But my pastor has the ability to look at these people and know exactly their life situations, he's in the mud with them as a good shepherd would be right there in the mud with his sheep, leading them to green pastures. So is my pastor leading these sheep and all their various situations to a better, clearer picture of life in Jesus. That's how I would define the difference between a preacher and a pastor. And I would say, why can't a woman have that same if she's been if she feels like she's been called by the Holy Spirit why can't she be in that same position I don't understand what's your take Alex well one uh, I would go back to the idea of and I'll I'll keep beating this drum are you going to say Genesis I'm not going to say Genesis thank God (laughs) 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to know the difference, be- like, between your definition of preacher and your definition of pastor, because that seems to be your. Like, so the pastor is has the spiritual authority to shepherd his flock, his church. Okay. And then Jesus is the head of him, so on and so forth. Actually, it doesn't really get any higher than that. Um, <laughs> but for me, uh, as I as I. It's it's funny we talk about men and women are equal. Complementarians aren't saying that men and women aren't equal. Complementarians are saying we're equal, but we acknowledge the differences that the Bible speaks about when it comes to men and women. And there there are clear differences. I mean, we talked about them in Genesis. We I mean, if you go to Ephesians 5, it doesn't say that both men and women are heads of the household. It says that men are the the heads of the household. And, but let's get to let's get to Galatians three twenty eight because I understand what you said going back a few minutes of what you said about about having biases. I really try not to have biases. I mean, it's it's going to come out that I have biases. So the way we protect against the biases that we have is by reading things in context. And so the context of Galatians, the whole book of Galatians, is the fact that the the Galatians were holding on to a gospel that was false and that was fake. Yeah. Right. I mean, Paul says that from the get-go. Paul says that they were holding on to some of their Jewish traditions. I mean, that's why he's constantly kind of going back to some of the... That's why he, Paul tells his story. That's why in the beginning of the text, uh, he opposes... Or in, in Galatians 2, he opposes Peter. He says straight up, like, I oppose Cephas and the, the crappy thing he did to the Gentiles. And he went back to his, his crew, the Jews, the Jew crew, and didn't hang out with the Gentiles <laughs> as, if, as if there was a difference now because of Jesus. So in the light of that context of saying, Paul is trying to convey to the Galatian church, you guys have the wrong gospel. You guys are trying to manipulate it. And you, you, it's really what it's coming down to is being a fake gospel. So when you read it in that context... Hey, let me look at my notes real quick too. Um, this is what this is this is the this is the text in question three twenty eight. It says this: There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So when I read that text, and I read that in the light of okay, Paul is doing some correction here. Paul is doing some correction against some really bad theology of what the Galatian church thought, uh, especially the, for the fact that the first thing he says is not, he, he brings up three points. He brings up uh, race, racial differences between Jews and gr- Gentiles. He brings up socioeconomic differences between slave and free. And then he brings up gender. I would say that Paul's chief, what he's trying to come across is that the gospel eliminates the barriers that all the other world religions set up, that the gospel eliminates those barriers between first the races. I think he's that's his main point is the races. Otherwise, he would if if okay. his main point was genders, he would have said genders first. But I I'm confident that his main thing is that because of. I hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Let, let, let me Alex finish. finish. Okay, sorry. So. At the same time, he's he's basically dispelling, saying all this stuff is going away, these differences, but it's not in the fact that they have the same roles. And I keep going back to this, and this is the main point of complementarianism. It's not that the fact that we don't think men and women are equal, that we don't look at this text and say, 
That's right, men and women are equal. It's that they have different roles. And so to say that Paul, and especially in that day, that Paul had, that would even say that term, that they are, that the that men and women would receive that they are joint heirs, that they are both offspring with with Christ, would have been extremely scandalous for that day and age. Because women didn't receive right. any type of inheritance at all. None. If 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 you were a dad and you were rich and you had all daughters, it would go to your next nearest of kin son or ne- next of kin, whoever the son, the it next son in line. It should be life. your nephew, I think. Right. It would be your nephew or somebody close in the family or like that. It would not go to your daughter. For, for Paul to say that, I think the text is not saying that men and equal, like the differences of their roles are extinguished. It's the fact that now everybody, this isn't just something for men. This is something also for women. It's not just something for the rich. It's also for the poor. It's not for just the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles, not just for the whites, for the black, it's for the Mexican. It's for everything. I would say primarily Paul is trying to convey across the point that the differences between Jews and Gentiles are extinguished just because that's whose Paul ministry was for, was mainly for Gentiles. And the fact that he brings up the the case with Peter and what he did to the Gentiles. I would say that that's the main point if you look at it in the full context of the passage. So gender is just a bonus. <laughs> it's just the bonus tacked on to the end of what the point he's trying to make. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just, I'm telling, I'm, okay. I don't have any authority because I didn't write the passage, right? But I'm just saying the main point of the passage, I believe, is the elimination of race. I would say that not the fact that it's more above the other ones. I would say that that's the main point he's driving towards. But he's also saying it's not just race that's eliminated. It's also socioeconomic, gender. But it's not saying – I would not say that this is a text that says that women are allowed to preach. I don't think you can – rightfully take from this text that women are allowed to preach. I'm saying that both men and women are going to inherit the promise of eternal life from Jesus Christ being his being part of Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Well, one, I think you completely can. I don't think that this text has anything to do with women preaching. I think it has everything to do with inappropriate speech during church. Because all of the letters that are that are written from Paul are specifically written to specific churches. And if you look at any of the grammar, which I am, like you, I am not a linguistic scholar. That is not my specialty. But in the study that I have done in determining this, what seems to be the consensus, and there is not much consensus about First Timothy chapter 2. There is much argument. There are few people who agree about anything on any verse in chapter 2 of First Timothy. Um, but one of the things that most people seem to agree about in terms of First Timothy chapter 2 is the fact that the grammar is highly contestable and that most of it has to do with women speaking inappropriately during church. And if you read... First Timothy chapter two, it comes out of nowhere. It's not like this long exegesis about women's behavior in church. It's not about who should be speaking in church. It's 
it's it's completely random addressments of what should be going on within this church at this certain point in time. And the same, there's a sentence in, I think it's 1 Corinthians. Is it 1 Corinthians? Hold up. Just a second. I'm going to wrestle the pages. So a similar thing is said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And one of the major arguments is the same sort of thing, is, is, is that women are asking questions in the middle of meetings when sermons are attempting to be disseminated. Like you have prophets attempting to speak. And at the same time, like it says, women shouldn't be speaking in church, but there are a lot of prophesying in church. So when they say women shouldn't be speaking in church, it has to do with the talking, with the chattering during church. There's just a lot. I mean, technically, if you, re- if you read that passage in 1 Corinthians, he's saying both men and women earlier in that same chapter shouldn't be speaking he uses the same phraseology earlier they shouldn't be chattering during church while somebody's prophesying you should be listening you shouldn't be chattering like you shouldn't be talking and the the moment where he speaks out about women is specifically it, it it's random it is completely random there's no transition linguistically speaking grammatically speaking there's and I would agree with you up until the point of I would read the different, okay, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the different roles, the different roles given to men and women. But I don't understand. I guess I don't understand where you get the roles. I, I really don't because I understand and I completely agree with the fact that men and women, genetically speaking, have different proficiencies. You got to be getting them from Ephesians 5 I mean, because they're I... not present in in Genesis. They just aren't. I mean, I'm saying they are. Speaking, men in and Genesis. women have, have especially when abilities. Paul they, references the Genesis in Ephesians five. But I don't, I don't see that, and I don't read that. Under no circumstances so, do I read that. I really, genuinely don't, because what I see is I see a man who was created androgynously, who was spoken to by God, and then God said, "You're lonely," and He split the man in two, and He said, "Here, now you have company." And then half of that company who had not been spoken to and instructed by God sinned because of a lack of information and was deceived by lack of information because it was disseminated poorly by the man who had been present when God spoke. Right. But before before sin happened, God had even told the man that he's going to be the head of the family by leaving his father and mother and holding fast to his wife. He was going to start a new family unit. And here's the thing. I, I am e- extremely guilty of this. I'm extremely guilty of being a very passive man. I would have done the same thing Adam did. I would have stood there and watched my wife be deceived by the serpent and take a part, take part in eating that fruit. I would have. That's yes. just that's just my personality. So the idea of men being heads of their household is to combat the that passiveness and the fact that when Paul says love. That that husbands are the head of the household and they're they're supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church is not is to combat passiveness, which men do a lot, 
but also to combat extreme aggressiveness towards their wives, which is what which is what Adam did when he blamed his wife, saying like, hey, the reason why this all happened was all her fault. To say that men being the heads of their household, to love their wives as Christ loved the church, is to call them out of being passive cowards, but also to bring them back to the center and not let them be so aggressive with their headship because they're supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church, to sacrifice for them daily, to die if necessary. To, meet, to bring them back to that happy medium. And we always come back to that. We always come back to that through the scripture. It's not this way. It's not extreme to the right or extreme to the left. It's in the middle somewhere. And Jesus was that. So the, But where do you see... I don't understand where you see before the creation of Eve. Uh, when, when a man leaves his father and mother. That's Ephesians But where do you five. see that before the creation of Eve? No, I'm I'm not saying that before I see the creation of Eve. I'm saying that when the first family is when the first family is established, that's what God says. So But that would be after the fall. No, it wouldn't be after the fall. It's said before the fall. So the curse of man is he wants to be passive when he should assume leadership position, and the curse of the woman is she wants the leadership position when she needs to be passive and submissive. Yes. But also at the same time, in context with Ephesians 5, it says right in verse 21, because I know Jess is, is probably, when she listens to this, is going to be screaming, what about verse 21? <laughs> when it says that out of, reverence, to... out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another, that's how we submit to one another. So is God restoring that equality where the man... See? That's the way I interpret it. God is... Jesus is restoring that equality. Paul's in an attempt to restore that equality where man should no longer be passive. Like, hey, this is a curse. You're going to want to be passive. Don't be passive. And, and, don't, and don't, be aggress- hey, don't be overly aggressive either. Women, you're going to want to be, um, you're going to want to express authority in a domineering way. Don't do that. Hey, how about this? Be submissive to one another like you were created to be. Equality, neither like male or female, both equal. They are equal, but with different roles, Jason. The idea. But if they have, see, you say roles and I say ability. And I think ability applies to leadership in multiple different ways because I've met many men who are horrible at leadership. Many men who are horrible at leadership. So I would say to that, because I've, I've met, I'm, Trust me, I've met plenty of men. That's the reason why. Have. That's the reason why I started a all male Bible study to try and get us back to that picture. I mean, I don't know how well I would have done. All I had was my Bible, and <laughs> and what I, I guess that's enough. But all I had was my Bible to say, guys, we cannot be passive anymore, and we can't be overly aggressive anymore. We have to be the heads of our households. We need to lead because that's the God given role that God is that God has given us. And so, I lost my train of thought. It's getting late. Sorry. So, I to, I, I, no, I complete just, brain roles fart. versus no, to, um, complete here, brain fart. No, ability. Here, to blatantly interrupt you, your boss program <laughs> was amazing. Like, you did a, a tremendous job at helping fellow, fellow males, like, I almost said assume the position, but that might be inappropriate. Yeah, probably don't. <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably don't. Probably don't. <laughs> but you, 
you did a great job in helping um helping us dudes like see that like hey don't don't be passive like you play a part in this too well so okay so here's my question so i'm looking here i'm looking at genesis 2:24 and it says so a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one body i don't understand why you I don't understand where you see authority in that. And I'm I'm genuinely asking. I don't understand that interpretation. I, I see authority in that in two parts. So the first part is what God says beforehand or what, what's, what's being said beforehand and what, says, what happens afterwards. Because okay. so after the fall happens, right, God comes to Adam first. Because and why why would he come to Adam first again again we go back to that why does he come to Adam first and not Eve since Eve bit the fruit first I mean in 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 realness here why he would come to Eve first but he doesn't he comes to Adam first because the assumed position that God has placed on Adam is that he is the head of his household where does he come to Adam first like what verse is uh, in Genesis three nine. Eight, nine, nine, nine. Genesis 3, 9. Adam, what did you do? But the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? And the man answered, I heard you walking in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God asked, who told you that you were naked? And so on and so forth. And then Adam says, the woman made me do it. Extremely aggressive and demeaning towards his wife. I think that's just reading way too much into it. I don't think it's reading too much into it, Jason. I <laughs> Again, I'm trying not to come with a bias, but when you read the text, you have to ask the question. We're all coming with a bias, man. I know we are, but that's what I try not to do when I try and read the Bible because I know I have biases. I know I, I lean more conservatively on certain topics, and because, I know that can, that a, can sometimes blind me. Because he's addressing the male first. Male is the leader? Yes. Okay. Okay, so we honestly, guys, as much as I would love for this to keep going, we have to stop. <laughs> we do. We do have to. Stop. We have We've been going for what, like three hours? Holly, <laughs> Holly, I, three I, hours. I, I honestly, I don't know how to edit this episode. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry, I'll Jason. Tell you what, I'm so sorry. I'm I, do, I like. I, I don't know. It. I don't know what I, to do. I'm so sorry, Jason. We went so far. We went. Hey. Let Did we Jason. go far though? We talked three three texts. What we were gonna talk about, but we did go for three hours. <laughs> yeah, longevity. <laughs> I th- there's there's at least an hour you can maybe I don't know. No, I don't even know. But and see, the truth is, is I could talk about this forever because I treasure so much the fact that somebody like Alex who so fundamentally disagrees with me is willing to talk to me about it because that, that to me is what Jesus did. And that is priority is are we pursuing Jesus? And, and truth be told, we all have our biases and eventually we're all going to be proven wrong or right. But it doesn't matter because Jesus is the point. And if we are pursuing Christ and if Alex can look at me and say, I respect you and I respect your faith. And if I can look at Alex and say, I respect you and I respect your faith. Then like done good. 
Like we're golden because Jesus is the point. I'm not the point. What I get to do is not the point. And if, if I read the Bible and I, I told Alex this earlier in a portion that Alex and I declare is going to be edited out. <laughs> recently. <laughs> um, if I eventually read the Bible and it says that women are not supposed to teach in church, I know my God and I know my God is good. And I know that my God loves me. And I know that my God loves humanity and wants the best for humanity. And therefore, what he calls for, I will respect. Currently, I think it's not what Alex says. <laughs> but maybe one day I will. Maybe one day I won't. Yeah, and to me, right there in your very words, you just demonstrated submissiveness in a very godly way not so much to me or alex's viewpoint but to christ first and that's what we're called to do and it's not always fun (laughs) i know there are times where i am silent with my dad because i know my dad as amazing as he is and as much my, my dad respects me a lot a lot. Like, my dad takes a lot of what I have to say. Um, much more than many men who were born in 1950 would take the words of a young girl who was born in 1988. With respect. Um, there are times where I just quit speaking to my dad. Because I know it doesn't serve a purpose. Yeah. And if my ultimate purpose is to speak joy and love and the message of Christ into my dad's life, then that's what I'm going to do. And if it's not through talking about feminist trope, then I won't talk about that because Christ matters more. Mm-hmm. He does. And I will continue to vote along my lines. I will. <laughs> I will be my little feminist liberal self, but <laughs> some things matter more. Hmm. Love matters more. Yeah. Yeah. First Corinthians 13. <laughs> <laughs> Love is a way better way than speaking in tongues for sure. So, I mean, I'm sure we're all still very grounded in our own personal opinions. Yes. I don't think we can say um, without a shadow of a doubt for sure which position the church would adopt. That would be absurd. All right. Um. We may just have to chalk this one up to agree to disagree. I think that's the most the, moment. the most loving thing we can do right now. For the moment. For the moment. <sighs> <laughs> I'm are really you, sorry. How mad are you at me right now? <laughs> me? No. I'm asking Jason that question. I know oh, I know okay. your position. No. We're cool. We're tight. Okay. We're good. No, pretty Bruh. pretty mad when I wanted to start with First Timothy, Timothy, and we went to Genesis for forty minutes. <laughs> solid, I, solid Genesis for forty minutes before we went back to Genesis for another thirty-five. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's a pivotal text, Jason. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um, it might be one of my least favorites. Statement of like multiple centuries yeah it's the it's, it's one of the most vague text in all of the bible pretty much just a quick a quick catch me up by moses on oh here's world history in a nutshell oh, but we based... dr. Quinn, 
wrecked me in terms of the creation story. But we based... Wrecked me. We read so much into a very short narrative into creation and the history of the world. But isn't that God's MO? He says things pretty pointedly in short bursts there. No, I think God's MO is humility. And that's the only place I can land after reading that text is to be completely humble. I think God's MO is to glorify himself. Genesis is so different from the rest of the Bible. I don't really know what to do with it. Genesis is just completely differently written than the rest of the Bible. Especially the first handful of chapters. They don't even make sense in Hebrew, almost. It almost looks like, depending on which commentary you read, it looks like Moses just copied a narrative from another book. That's a story for another podcast. <laughs> there are all there are actually two different like Genesis narratives there involved are. in Genesis. Okay, here we go. We're going back to Genesis again. Come on, what are we Ken Ham? <laughs> the answers are in Genesis. Holly, thank you so much for staying up with us for three hours and just talking. It is talk- my pleasure, man. I will stay up for you. I will stay up with y'all for three hours. I don't anytime. Yeah, I don't know how this is gonna edit all out in the end and and what's going to be left of this podcast. I don't know how to cut it down yet. Just just <laughs> thinking back on it. But I so... I've been there and I feel your pain. So, so appreciate the conversation. Likewise. Ah, oh, Jason. I'm exhausted. Yeah. That was some Bible thumping busting discussion right there can my we friend. can we please not do that again <laughs> i think it might come up again but well here's, here's next time let's pick it let's pick a topic that we agree on i want to throw it out to our audience is this something you'd want to hear alex and i and a guest do again have these deep bible discussions is this worth your time what do you guys think hit us up on facebook hit us up on twitter hit us up on instagram call us <laughs> Alex's number is 810. <laughs> Send us an email. Visit our website. Yeah, get a hold of us. Because if this us. is something that you guys want to do, we'll we'll figure out a way to do something in a loving discussion type matter, not debating. And we'll we'll discuss something else. Yeah, it was exhausting, but it was fun. I, ha- I had a great time. And thank you so much, Holly, for, for being part of the conversation and, and guiding it in a lot of ways. And... Uh, Thank you for your time. I mean, three and a half hour Skype call. Yeah. How did your Mac not die? That's it, what I want to know. That was a miracle. Because it's a Mac. It was, your Mac dies all the time on us. Don't give me that crap. <laughs> I mean, God was looking down on this discussion. It, it was allowing church. it to happen. Two or three gathered in his name. Again, and, I would, you're taking that verse out of context. No, but Well, I mean, two or three gathered well, and God, God allowed your Mac to. Uh, sure. Matthew seventy seven fifty four. Yeah. Gosh. Where where two or three are gathered, a Mac will a Mac. prevail. <laughs> anyway, guys, so we're gonna wrap this up. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And like Jason said, if you liked this, please get at us. And also, if you liked Holly, go listen to her podcast with her theology with her friend Donna. And you guys just a lot of their conversations I enjoy. So just go check them it's, out. It's great stuff. So anyway, you know, Jason, I was, you know, I was yeah. thinking by this point, 
there's going to be one team that looks fairly confident in the fact that they're going to win the Stanley Cup by the time this episode airs. Yeah, your Nashville Predators are in there. Yeah, which I was... I are kinda, they might be out by the time They might airs? be out by the time this episode... There might be a new Stanley Cup champion Wait, by this time. you want to predict it? I'll, I'll, I'll make a prediction. Okay, right here, right now. I will well, make a prediction. Cup? I, I will make a prediction... I want the Nashville Predators to win. Yeah. But according to how game one went, I think the Penguins are going to win. Oh, see, I think Nashville's going to win according to how game one went. Again, we disagree, Alex. It's just, it's just, no, I, I just I just heard about all the diff, all the uh, the refs basically looked like they were in favor of the Penguins, which is usually how it goes. Because the Penguins went 37 minutes without registering a shot on goal. That is a new record, dude. But here's the thing, though. Here's There's always a conspiracy in hockey. Puck luck. Hockey's about puck luck. Playoff hockey is about the bounces, my friend. I know that, and I agree with you. But at the same time, just like just like a lot of media stations, they have biases. And they have a bias towards Sidney Crosby because they think he's the little poster child crybaby person. He's not. He can't even grow a legit beard. He can't. But I'm just saying, they love him, and they all they do is talk about him. And here's this up-and-coming team, the Nashville Predators, who've never won a Stanley Cup, if memory serves me correctly. And I really want them to win, so... I do. I just want them to get a different goal celebration song. I like it. I love it. I want some more of well, it. Well, it's Nashville. Thing. I hate I know. I know it's Nashville. I know it's country music. Please change it. But anyway, Jason, is there anything you want to tell the Nashville Predators? Because they're our team now. Yeah. I, the Red Wings what? are gone, and we hate the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. What we, do you want to tell them? Uh, actually, I want to root for the Grand Rapids Griffins in the American Hockey League. Who I went and saw a few weeks ago. Okay, we're talking uh, National stuff. Hockey League, Jason. You know, well, for for hockey as well as with Bible discussions, when you've got your point of view and you don't necessarily want to give up on it, you always have to remember to keep your stick on the ice. There it is, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>